sportsgrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. Sportsgrid.com. running backs in fantasy football and that's where we begin our show today craig mish along with joe pizapia with you here for the next two hours joe great to see you here this afternoon we got a lot to cover here on the show today some sort of late breaking news which we'll get to as well and with a couple of key injuries to younger players who thought to be at the top of their sport and then of course we almost had a no hitter in baseball which is always fun to see uh alas though it didn't get done in the end no, it did not. But uh, Kenta Maeda certainly, <laughs> the poor guy, didn't get the W last night for as well as he pitched. But he did have a big strikeout rate. And that's what we're looking for a big time total and a good return on investment. So uh, luckily, he was our GPP pitcher last night. So if you listen, you had him. I think he did okay in last night's games. But a fascinating start to some of the NBA playoff games, too. Giannis and LeBron down a game already, Craig. So uh, let's get into it because I don't think it went exactly how most people thought it was going to go last night in the NBA. Yeah, no, it didn't. And and again, there's no home court advantage for any of these teams. And I think that that's what's showing up, at least in the first two days of the NBA playoffs. They'll be back at it today in a little bit over an hour. But let's go over the top stories here on Fantasy Sports today for the Wednesday that we are here on the 19th of August. Kenta Maeda comes within three outs of throwing a no-hitter. He did throw a gem, though, last night. Eight innings pitched, 12 strikeouts. As Joe mentioned, that was a, a good selection yesterday in DFS. No doubt about that, unfortunately. The Twins' bullpen gave it away, and it went to extra innings, and the Twins did win. Coming up, we'll hear from the manager of the Twins, Rocco Baldelli. Padres win again. Fernando Tatis saw the pitcher on the mound that threw at one of his teammates and said, you know what, I'm going to steal third on you, and he did it. And that was fun to see last night as Tatis uh, universally is respected now as one of the best players in the game, and there was really no argument as far as everything that happened yesterday. I'm glad we could move on from that story, honestly, today. Uh, Atlanta Braves had to put Nick Markakis on the injured list because he was near somebody that had COVID. So just for caution purposes, they put him on the injured list. And Christian Pache, one of the top prospects in the outfield for the Atlanta Braves and arguably a top 100 prospect in baseball as well. We're going to get a chance to see him a little bit this week with Markakis on the men. As we mentioned last night, it was a great game in the NBA to see, and it went back and forth right till the end. There was a point where the Lakers were actually up six in this game about midway through the fourth quarter, and I said, oh, okay, that's it. And then the Blazers came back and ended up winning in game one, so there is certainly a chance right now that this series can uh, not only go deep, but maybe the Blazers could even win. Uh, on the other hand, I think the Magic got a little bit lucky. They did beat the Bucks uh, and go up 1-0. I can't really figure out what was up with Milwaukee. They, they seem to start, start slow in every game and then rally in the end, but they didn't do enough to win that game yesterday. So we'll start with that, Joe. And, of course, about an hour ago, we had heard that uh, Miles Sanders, running back of the Philadelphia Eagles, is now off the field from what looks like indefinitely, a week-to-week situation. That was a really surprising uh, diagnosis. And uh, Nate Pearson, the young pitcher for the Toronto Blue Jays, had some elbow issue. He was put on the injured list. I would doubt we'll see him again in 2020. So uh, that's where we're starting off here on this Wednesday. (laughs) Is that all? Couldn't you find a couple more things that were important? Jeez. Uh, well, let's start with the uh, the rookie making his debut because I know a lot of people are probably thinking about that one before we dive into basketball. And, and Christian Pache 
certainly is, you know, he's young still. He's only 20 years old. Um, you look at the minor league track record. This is a guy that does not have a ton of power, also strikes out a lot. Uh, he might be one of these dudes you might earmark as a better baseball player than a fantasy player, uh, athletic kid. Um, I understand that there's still upside and growth potential. I think we're just getting spoiled because we're seeing guys who are 21, 22 years old making their debuts in the major leagues and are fully formed products. And I don't think this kid is quite there yet. Not from what I've seen. Like I said, a lot of swing and miss. And when you have a lot of swing and miss, you at least need to give me some power along with it. And he doesn't quite have that. We're talking like a, a mid to low four slugging percentage. And that's not really moving the needle for me, but going back to the NBA, Craig, I got to ask you this question. Uh, we talked about whether or not the Lakers were going to start flipping the switch yesterday. Uh, clearly that switch was not necessarily flipped yesterday. So are you more worried after one game uh, about the Lakers or you're more worried after one game about the box? Yeah, I'm not really worried about either team. I think that there's a chance that the Blazers could push the Lakers deep into this, but you know the Lakers still have arguably the best player in the world, and and in the end, I think LeBron will come out on top. Maybe the, maybe the series will go six games, maybe it'll go seven games. Uh, and Milwaukee, as we welcome in our radio audience, just slept walk through that first game. But this is not the first time they've done that. They uh, did that against Miami a few games ago. They came all the way back to win. They did that in the headbutt game with Giannis too. So. Uh, look, the the Bucks were so good during the regular season, and then when the bubble started up again, it just it, they they started off well again, and it looked like they were just kind of going through the motions to get to the, the playoffs. And so I think that's where they're at now. I would expect the Bucks to win maybe five six games, and uh, and the Lakers look it, it could go a lot deeper than I thought. That's that's certainly possible, but I still think in the end the Lakers uh, end up winning. And by the way, in that game last night, take a look at these numbers that were put up by the two stars. And there were a lot of stars in that game yesterday. Uh, Kuzma played well in the end, uh, Anthony Davis certainly, but uh, Dame Lillard, 34 points to LeBron James, 23. But look at this triple-double for LeBron James, 23 points, 17 rebounds, 16 assists. Lillard actually had a quiet game, 34 points, 5 rebounds, 5 assists. It looked like the coaching plan, at least in the second half that I saw, was basically to put Lillard on the line, not let him get a, a lot of shots, and he came through 10 for 10 from mm. the free throw line there. So uh, anybody playing in DFS yesterday, clearly using these two players was the key, and it's really great to have this game as the late game, uh, at least from our perspective here on the East Coast, because it, it definitely looks like it's going to be the best matchup in the early part of the playoffs. All right, we got our fantasy standouts coming up next in fantasy baseball from last night. We'll also move ahead to Wednesday afternoon action. We'll be right back on FST on SportsGrid. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back. Fantasy Sports Today with you here on Sports Grid. We got you noon to 2 Eastern every day right here with you on the show. We're going to go over some of the fantasy standouts in baseball from last night, which, of course, will include the great performance from Kenta Maeda. But ironically, Joe, some guys who, who did it on Tuesday night did it on Wednesday night again. We got some re- repeat performers tonight. Yeah, hot streaks, man. Uh, nobody's hotter right now than Brandon Lau, is there? I mean, I, I don't know if it's going to last tonight against Garrett Cole. If it does. 
that we can all just stand up and applaud. But my goodness, yeah, some guys are on streaks, and Tim Anderson, another one of those guys who stayed red hot. I mean, this guy, and the best part about Tim Anderson is he does it in the first at bat. Dude gets up there, hits a home run, gives the sign to the dugout. I mean, geez, uh, we're talking about the unwritten rules being done. They are, man. Let's have some fun. Let's have some personality. I mentioned on the podcast this morning, I said, you know, I was a fan of the 86 Mets, and this was a team that used to do curtain calls in other people's buildings. Okay. Can we get back to some fun? Can we get back to some swagger? And can we get back to some baseball, please? That's what I like. And you're right. There's definitely some guys that are absolutely red hot and keeping red hot as well. Yeah, and and topping the list honestly is Anthony Santander of the Baltimore Orioles, who now has 25 runs driven in and two home runs. And the Orioles are such a great story this year because of their offense. And to look at any team at this point and say they don't have pitching, I mean, you're talking about 25 teams in the major leagues right now. I don't think anybody has any pitching at this point. So hitting may end up getting you there. And great season for Santander for sure. He was really good last year. And he's even been better this year. Really impressive. Uh, Brandon Lau, uh, yeah, he had his eighth home run. He is emerging now as one of the top second basemen in the game offensively. From a fantasy standpoint, maybe the number one guy. I mean, really, that's it's it's trending in that direction. I don't know if he'll play every day under Kevin Cash, because every once in a while there are some lineup changes going on with him. But simply put, he's been much better than anybody could have expected, and he's going to smash his home run total from last year in, in less than half a season. Uh, Luke Voigt. Luke Voigt led off for the Yankees yesterday. And now, <laughs> now when he said he didn't mind, we played that audio for you yesterday, when he didn't mind hitting second through seven, I don't know that he had lead off in the cards, but he did. And he had home run again. So eight <laughs> home runs, two RBIs uh, for Luke Voigt in the, in the game last night. I don't know how you take him out of the lineup, but if those guys come back, I don't think it matters. Uh, Tim Anderson, as, as Joe mentioned, another home run for him. So this is back-to-back days and three hits as well. Randall Grichuk, he is a great guy right now to play in DFS, and then the second he mm-hmm. cools down, just get him out because that's all he does. He'll be hot for like two weeks and then done. So he's hit two home runs in back-to-back days and has driven in almost 10 runs in back-to-back days too. So ride that Grichuk train if you can. And I wanted to throw in a middle-inning guy here who could be a closer, I think, in the future. This is a big name to circle in all leagues. James Karinchak from the Cleveland Indians. Another inning in a third yesterday of no earned run ball. He struck out two. He's got 22 strikeouts for the season. He is a reliever, and he is one that just basically strikes out everyone. And uh, he has picked up a save this year, Joe, and I think he's going to be picking a lot more of them up next year. He is someone that, you know, if you're playing one of those deeper keeper leagues and you're looking for like a last round guy or an undrafted guy that probably everybody has by now in a 12 or 14 team league, I think he is going to be a very sought after closer going into next year. Yeah, I think you're going to hear a lot of people picking him up right now and they're watching the show here today. But uh, when you have 22 strikeouts and as many innings as he has, it definitely makes you stand up and take notice. And we all know year to year, these things can be fluky. We can have relievers come out of nowhere, look great, and all of a sudden kind of go back to being uh, nobody yet again. But right now, with the way the state of relief pitching is, you have to look for guys that are going to give you good ratios, good strikeout to walk rates, good ERAs. And if they give you saves too, great. But saves have been so difficult to get. And at what cost are you getting them? There's some guys that are getting saves, but the ERAs are killing you. So what are you doing? You're basically giving up all the other good stats just to get saves. And 
to me, I'd rather go get the other stats. Those you can count on. You can count on good pitching. Saves are arbitrary. Wins are arbitrary. Go get strikeouts. Go get whip. Go get ERA in your roto formats. Uh, but you make a great point about Randall Gritchick on this list is too. This is another guy that, like you said, he's better in DFS than he is in season long because you can just use him when you want. And when he's not hitting, you kind of drop him away. And Luke Voigt, yeah, you hit him first. He said he'd hit two through seven, and I guess he said he would be happy with that. I guess he's unhappy hitting leadoff, but you couldn't tell from the stat line because eighth home run of the year for him. And uh, I would imagine that against Tyler Glasnow tonight, he's probably going to be somewhere there again. And Glasnow so far hasn't gotten out of the fourth inning, been a little bit more hittable. Obviously, he isn't quite you know getting into that fifth, sixth inning range. So this could be another good night for the Yankees offense potentially. Yeah, I mean, a lot of the upside pitchers have just not performed well and just going into yeah. it and looking at a pitcher and just thinking that he can dominate in most cases is unlikely. But last night, and I don't know if it's more impressive that, you know, the Dodgers have Gonsolin and he pitched great yesterday. They also had Kenta Maeda and just didn't care about him and traded him to the Twins. I mean, that is just remarkable because last night, take a look at the numbers that Maeda put up. Eight innings pitched, no earned runs. He gave up the one hit at 114 pitches. I was watching the game live. Then they pulled him immediately, which is a smart thing to do. But I give Rocco Baldelli credit. He was going to let him finish it out. Two walks, 12 strikeouts. That is, simply put, the best performance of the fantasy season and the DFS season, no question. That's what it was last night. And what about the perspective from Rocco Baldelli, who is not only the Twins manager here in his second year, but also had a nice long career with the Tampa Bay Rays, Baldelli said after the game yesterday that he couldn't remember a better performance ever. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't even know what else to say. He was he was that good tonight. Yeah, look, that, that's the top pitching performance of the year. So, Joe, that was a really good DFS pick. And I would guess that anybody who used him in a lineup, if you didn't make money, you did something horribly wrong. Like, you, <laughs> you probably played a player that didn't play. Like, that's my guess. Now, I've been transparent about not playing DFS virtually at all, so I can't get a full grasp on how that would have worked. But if you put yeah, this guy you in your lineup, how, how, did, yeah. how, how did you not make money if you put him in the lineup last night? So it would be impossible, I right? I, I, my Maeda lineups all made money, so I, I can't yeah. I can't speak to how you couldn't. And one of them actually had a guy that did get a zero. So you still made money anyway. So, uh, but the, you know, the reason behind this pick yesterday was very simple. It was really based on not even the fact of the worry about, Oh, he just faced this team last time out. It was also just the trend of a few things. Number one, you know, the confidence that you have in the Minnesota twins right now is a team offensively and defensively too, to a certain extent. And then on top of which it's also, you see, there's very few guys out there going six innings. And this was a guy who was going out there and throwing six innings every time. So you knew there was at least win equity. Now the irony is he didn't get the win. Just got a ton of strikeouts and pitched well into the game. But at the same time, I think you have to look at the, the, the streak that pitchers are on too, not just hitters. And today we're going to talk about a guy who's on a streak that is a little scary of a play in GPP, but I think it warrants it because it's another guy that's pitching really well right now and could buck a lot of trends. And that's what you're looking for in GPP. And if he had Maeda last night at the cost you had him, you were able to go up on the board to basically, if you had Maeda and the White Sox hitting or Maeda and some of the Mets hitting and some like that, some of the things we talked about in yesterday's show, it's easy. And you know, sometimes people overthink things, Craig, and they want to say, oh, it's too chalky. It's too this. You know what? It's about being right. And sometimes the easy answer is the right answer. And sometimes it's not like we see the Mariners are fighting, you know, tooth and nail with the Dodgers, which is something that we probably would not have guessed would happen. But at the same time, these things do happen. But most of the time, when we look at baseball, 
most of the time you are looking for, yes, this is the right play, the right price, put them together with this team that has a high run total. And chances are more often than not, you are going to see success in daily and not to overthink things too much. Yeah, well, I mean, look, it's, you know, sometimes it's also a good run, too. Let's be honest. You never know when things are going to go the other way. Last week, we weren't that great. This week is much better. So, um, but that's that's the way baseball is going to go. You can't predict things, um, and and neither can I. You can make your best guess, put your best foot forward. uh, But who would have had Nate Pearson two weeks in done for the year? It's uh, who would have had Spencer Howard, the top pitching prospect? You you can't even pitch him right now. It's it's been a very tough year for pitching predictions, I think, in particular. And so to get one like you got yesterday i think if i was playing dfs my sole focus would be finding the best pitcher and let everything take care of itself we'll be back with more fantasy sports today and the tip drill after this sportsgrid.com betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24 7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering real-time odds predictive betting models expert picks and more want the edge then get on the grid sportsgrid.com And welcome back, Fantasy Sports Today with you here on Sports Grid. Great to be with you here on this Wednesday. Time for our discussion with a little fantasy football. And uh, certainly, Joe, you're in uh, knee-deep into the fantasy football season for sure. And we're going to get to some quotes that have been coming out. And it's really interesting for me to look through these, doing the reporting that I do. I can kind of maybe wade through some of these answers Mm -hmm. to see if they are fantasy or reality, so to speak. Uh, Before (laughs) we get to that real quick, uh, what is your opinion Okay, so so two days ago, the head coach of the Philadelphia Eagles said that Miles Sanders was the guy, and then today he says that he's week to week with an injury. Like usually, it's like a day to day is what I usually hear, Joe. But this is a week to week. So uh, Sanders' ADP is, I guess, what like early second round fodder. It looks like at this point. And so, what do you <laughs> what do you make of this at this point? <laughs> oh, I mean, we can't we can't have it both ways. We can't think no. that Peterson's telling the you know being honest with the in, with uh, how much he wants to give him the ball, and then think that he's not with a week to week injury. I don't know which way to go here. Yeah, this slapped a lot of people in the face yesterday, and uh, I, I think you have to move him down the board a little bit. That's for sure. I think you would definitely be taking guys like Joe Mixon over him. I think you would. The question is, would you be taking a guy like Eckler over him? And I think right now, if the draft is today, I think I would. I think I would take Eckler over him. And I am not in love with that Charger offense, but you know what? In a full point PPR, I feel much better about the just the volume that Eckler's going to get. And right now, week to week is a very weird term. I do not like it. I don't know if we just misspoke. Or whatever it is right now, I think we need more details about it, that's for sure. But no, I think you definitely have to temper the expectations just a little bit going into weekend drafts after that news. Yeah, I think you do. But the other part of it is, too, is believing things that coaches say and that comes out of camp. And, Joe, let's get started with a running back that I'm a big fan of uh, coming out of Georgia and DeAndre Swift. What was said yesterday, Joe, about DeAndre Swift that has everybody up in arms here? Well, they said Swift looked very crisp as a receiver early on, and he excelled in one-on-one passing drills against defenders on Tuesday. Now, that's that's good news because I think that's one thing when you're looking here is can he also be involved in the passing game? And, you know, these Georgia running backs have a really good track record in the NFL in the last five years. Can we just say that? Can we all get on board with that for the most part? It's been pretty good, more good than bad for sure. 
And it's funny because Clyde Edwards Alaire has rocketed up draft boards. We all know that he's a first rounder now, basically. Uh, we have guys like Cam Akers, Jonathan Taylor's got a ton of helium, but Swift has kind of stayed right where he is, and it kind of makes him the best value. And I think this is interesting because Perrion Johnson has really failed to plant his flag in that starting running back job. And of all the guys that have people ahead of him, I think Swift might be in one of the better positions to actually take a role away. So I actually think this is positive. I think this is a little bit more fire than smoke. What do you think? I mean, look, I, I, again, I, I think part of it is is that Swift was such a dynamic runner. And, um, and again, it is coming from DetroitLions.com, okay? So let's mm-hmm. also take that for sure with sure. a grain of salt. This sure. is somebody that's only going to speak positively about the team. Uh, but, look, I like the player anyway, so you don't really have to sell me on him. Regardless of which, this is something that I would say probably has about 50% accuracy, which means he probably looks good. But, again... Being very familiar with the reporting aspect of this, I would never expect somebody on DetroitLines.com, Joe, to say that a guy does not look good. That's never going to happen. Okay, let's go over to the running back position, uh, Joe, in New England, and there is a lot of smoke with their running back there. Yeah, with Michelle and Miller sideline, running back Damian Harris has been getting a heavy workload early in camp, and that's from uh, Michael Giardi of NFL Network. And look, this is a guy I've been taking a lot in the deeper leagues I'm in, late in drafts. He's basically a free player. And then they signed Lamar Miller, and I was a little concerned there. But you know what? This guy has more of an idea of the offense than Lamar Miller. So I think I'm still going to keep taking shares of Damian Harris. That's just me personally, Craig. Do you see uh, Harris being a guy who might actually be a surprise this year in fantasy? I'm not for the whole season, but I can definitely buy into the fact that every New England running back usually has their day in the sun. Mm whether it was Burkhead in the past or or any of the other running, eventually they get their day. It doesn't mean that they're going to get another day, but they do get their day. So he is absolutely someone that while everyone is taking some of the backup rookie running backs that aren't going to play this year, I'd rather have this guy because I know at some point I'm going to be able to put him in my lineup. Something is going to happen to Michelle or someone will fall out of favor, and then all of a sudden you're going to look up at this guy, Harris, and you're going to see – you know, 12 carries, 60 yards, five receptions, 40 yards, and a touchdown. And that's a playable uh, running back, too, in fantasy. So I, I don't think for 16 games, Joe, that that is the case. But I definitely think that Harris uh, is somebody that I want, I would say, probably a little bit later in a draft. All right, uh, coming up next, we got some games going on this afternoon in the NBA, and we're going to touch on them coming up next. So make sure you stay tuned and stay on the grid. Follow us on Twitter at Craig Mish, at Joe Pizapia17, and of course, at Sports Grid Radio. 24 hours a day, seven days a week. We're here for you. Fantasy, wagering, reality, entertainment. Got it all. We'll be right back. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back. Craig and Joe here with you. And coming up a little bit later in the show, fun conversation that we're going to have here with Scott Bogman going into some of the running backs in fantasy football, Cam Akers, Mark Ingram. You want to stay tuned for that. That's coming up in about an hour from now. Uh, Before we get back into a little baseball and basketball, let's finish off the conversation that we were having about football with one other player in terms of our smoke and uh, fire conversation, which is, you know, sort of hard to deal with this year. You have, 
What's happening now, as a matter of fact, is you had about 20 teams that weren't letting the reporters tweet about the practice. And what's happening, Joe, is that some of the reporters are basically saying, bleep it, I'm doing it anyway. What are you going to do? Uh, because they're not allowed in anyway. And so it's, a, it's, it's becoming a real interesting dynamic where the reporters are just sort of not caring and saying, look, it's practice. We're going to do it. Um, I know here in Miami they have not gone that far yet. But it, you're starting to see it. Like they have um, the reporters, some of the reporters, I don't know if you've seen this, can't go into facility, but they, they, they park their cars and they watch the practice from their cars. It's just a crazy, uh, crazy they year for up, this. They but. set up the soccer chairs, right? They, they take the chairs that they sit and watch a kid's soccer game and they, you know, set them up there and uh, throw them down, get, crack open a beer. And it's so bizarre. It's from afar. No, they're in their cars. Yeah, that's the you see all the reporters' too. cars lined that's up. The other thing. It's not. Yeah, and you're getting some of the players tweet and Instagram and little videos and things of that nature too, which is is different a little bit as well. So, you know, some other information. It's, it's a very different year, like you're saying, to start to glean any sort of information about what's happening at camp. Because yes, although training camp and preseason can be vastly overrated, there are every year certain players where training camp is important. Preseason performance is important because you want to see whether or not they're taking a step forward or back or if somebody's getting the offense. So there are certain things that can be, yes, useful. Sometimes they tend to get overrated, which is not good, but not having them at all is very difficult to deal with. There's no doubt about that. Yeah, the, the analysis is is basically goes back to just go with what you know at this point, unless you know a player is hurt. I mean, that's that obviously that's there's a big difference there. If a player is hurt, there's no fudging around with their value at that point. You know, the guy's not going to play. You, you probably can't draft the guy. But uh, let, let's get into the Bears quarterback situation, which is going to be one to watch for sure. And Joe Mitch Trubisky is getting some love from one of his own players, which is not shocking to me at all. <laughs> no, well, I was a little shocked to use that kind of language of fudging around. Boy, it's a PG thirteen show. I, I Jeez, removed, a couple, I removed a couple <laughs> letters. Removed a couple letters. But yeah, so uh, so far, Cordero Patterson says uh, he actually looks like a whole new player uh, this year. I just see it in his eyes each and every day. He's got that fire in him, and that's Cordero Patterson. Oh, the Chicago Bears, and uh, he might see the fire, but I'm I am seeing smoke here. Uh, this is I, I hope this is a veteran saying, "Come on, kid, you can do it." And and look, Trubisky has skills. There's no doubt about that. He has great athleticism. We saw two years ago him have some really good games against some good teams, and then you'd see him have bad games against bad teams. It was a big head scratcher. And then last year, the wheels came off. The good news for Trubisky, in my opinion is that I don't see Nick Foles as nearly the threat as everybody else. Like, I, I get it. You know, Nick Foles had a great run. Everything is magical. It was Cinderella. But the body work of Nick Foles is not impressive. I am sorry. It's just not. Trubisky, right now, like, this is his fork in the road. This is his moment. He's still not a player, even in second quarterback leagues and Superflex that I am looking at. As a third quarterback, oh, maybe you want to roster him and take a shot. But here's the more important factor is what kind of impact can Trubisky have on the rest of this offense? Guys like Anthony Miller, who we'd like to see take a step forward. Guys like David Montgomery, if you can throw the ball more efficiently, all of a sudden there's less stacked boxes there for David Montgomery to go against. So it's more the ripple effect on the rest of the offense than Trubisky himself. I'm not holding out on any hope. I think this is a lot of smoke. What do you think, Greg? 
You know, what's interesting is that 15 minutes after Trubisky, uh, after Patterson made the comment about Trubisky, Trubisky was quoted as saying that he thinks that Cordell Patterson is going to have a fantastic year. He's going to be their number one. No, none of that happened. That's the point. <laughs> move on. It's I just love Ben over here. Just, just everybody loves everybody. It really so. I mean, great. What, what, what else is a guy on his own team going to say about about his quarterback? I mean, look, you're going to a reporter asks a question about the quarterback. What is the answer going to be? Nine times, ninety nine times out of 100 the guys gonna say, oh he looks good he looks so much better so it's not a matter of buying it or not trubisky is just not even a i mean he's a very low-end qb2 there is some upside because if he looks like he did two years ago then maybe you know maybe there's something there but i'm i'm with you with Foles, and i, I think the bears are in trouble i just i didn't really make i think Nagy's in trouble too i i think this could be it for him, which Probably. which stinks and you know what this whole regime right now i think is in trouble because when you move up the kind of draft capital you do and then you're wrong on a player like Trubisky, you're wrong on the franchise quarterback, and you have guys like Mahomes and Watson go in that same draft. Man, you've basically set your team back at least five years, and that is just—it's just the truth or consequence of the NFL. Uh, and it stinks, but it's just the way it is. And unfortunately, I do think people were going to lose their jobs this year over another bad season for the Bears. And looking at that division, we both think the Lions are better than other people do. We both think that the obviously the Minnesota Vikings and the Green Bay Packers are going to be contenders for that division. So where does that leave the Bears? Probably in last, and that's that's a tough no. to swallow. Yeah, yeah, they they moved up for Montgomery too, and that hasn't worked out. So okay, let's uh, let's take a look at today's NBA game. Starts in about forty five minutes from now over on the FanDuel Sportsbook. If you want to get involved, it's the Nets and Raptors in Game Two. Of course, the Raptors won the first game very easily. They also covered the spread. And uh, and right now, today's line is a little bit down from the last because, in general, this is the way the NBA works. If you win and cover a big line in the first game, the line goes down in the second one because they expect a team to play better. Now, it may, it may be the case. It may not be, but this is the biggest line on the board. Uh, Raptors minus 11.5 on the FanDuel Sportsbook. If you take Brooklyn, you're getting 11.5 points, and the total is 226. Uh, so, um, look, I, I don't bet on the NBA. So, for me, this would just be a guess, honestly, at this point. And when I'm guessing, it's usually guessing with an underdog. So uh, that would be my lean today, leaning toward the 11 and a half here and taking Brooklyn to have a better showing against Toronto. But the, the Raptors are a really, really tough team to beat. So it wouldn't surprise me either way. Yeah, I would echo every sentiment you just said, except for that last one, which is, I'm going to take an earlier point you made in the show, which is there is no home court advantage. So right now, this is just about which team is playing better basketball. And I think Toronto is playing better basketball from what we've seen so far. So I would lean the other way, even though it's boring. Uh, and just go that route. And you're right. It's probably not a good wager in, in that sense. So maybe you just fade away from it altogether. But so far, Toronto's shown out pretty well. I mean, this is a team that just came off of a winning championship. Yeah, you lose your best player. But at the same time, this is a team that has played pretty good, especially since coming back as well. And, you know, they're they're more of a cohesive team unit right now. And I think that's why you saw the one nothing getting up early. And I think you might get a 2 nothing here early. And if so, then I think the Nets are in real trouble. Yeah, and, and by the way, for the Nets to stay in this thing, Luwalu Cabro has to have another big game like he had the other day. Uh, 33 minutes, 26 points, 7 rebounds. And when you're looking at the uh, the positive-negative uh, factor with uh, with Cabro, he was the only thing that the Nets had going, and he, in all likelihood, will not do what he did a couple of days ago. So it would lead you to believe that that could mean the uh, Raptors cover. Also, maybe the under here on this one. But uh, far be it from me to make a prediction financially to put your money on this one. I know that's really hard for some people to say. 
in terms of wagering, but there are a lot more educated people on this than I am. And so I would encourage you to watch Scott Farrell's show coming up a little bit later today. He can give you a much more accurate prediction, but that game is starting in about 45 minutes from now. Keep that in mind. Uh, over at 1.30 Eastern, which of course is the first baseball game that we're going to feature today, is the Philadelphia Phillies and Boston Red Sox. The Red Sox have one of the worst records in Major League Baseball. Their under is basically in. Congratulations. If you bet the under 30 on their win total, you're a winner. You're going to win your money. It's probably it, that and Pittsburgh are probably the two certainties of any teams in baseball. And maybe the, the Orioles are kind of getting close to that point where it looks like they're going to head on the over. But Red Sox right now is an absolute lock. Congratulations. If you have the ticket, uh, hang on to it because you're going to win. Uh, they, uh, they're, they're underdogs at home today. One of the Red Sox are underdogs at home. Wow. Uh, Phillies minus 138. If you take the Sox, they're plus 120. Jake Arrieta. He's been good. He's been bad. He's hard to predict at times. The total is 11. The Red Sox have no pitching. Hard is going to make the start for them today. He's a three-inning guy. They're going to have to go to the bullpen yet again. I'm actually surprised the Red Sox Joe didn't try to sign Matt Harvey, honestly, like and, and just kind of trade him <laughs> in a week. I can't believe you said that. I said, well, Matt they Harvey's have no pitching today. Anything's possible. Yeah. They have, the Red Sox have... No pitching whatsoever. Devers had three hits yesterday, but he has been a staggering disappointment at the start of their season. And it just feels like, and again, I only watch the games. I I can't get a good feeling for games this year because the reporters are not allowed in and they're only watching from a distance if they're even going. But the vibe is so poor from the Red Sox this year. I mean, we, we knew that this could possibly happen. And look, if you told me at the beginning of the season that the Red Sox would be 25 and 35, I would have said, wow, like that's a pretty significant disappointment for a team that still has J.D. Martinez and Xander Bogarts and some other good players. But, Joe, I don't know if they're going to win 20 games, man. Like this could be a 18 and 32 type season for them. I would take the Phillies and not think twice about it, even if it does come down to the bullpens. And I know Phillies bullpen isn't good either. I, that, that's the only way I could go. I cannot take the Red Sox at all. Yeah, I take Solace in the over here on the 11, and that's still a big number. But uh, with all that bullpen, it would be hard not to think about that. Uh, Bryce Harper had a good game yesterday, too. That was another guy we talked about in DFS. Uh, this is a really good ballpark factor for him, and he's going to see a lot of soft pitching there, especially soft right-handed pitching. So I would be looking at him again today to have a good game. And and look, Arietta has been way more bad than good. But it's difficult not to lean towards the Phillies, but I would just stay away from it altogether except for the over because there's going to be a ton of runs in this game no matter how you slice it. And going into the season, you know, with Eduardo Rodriguez having to be the guy at the top of this rotation and then him having COVID, it just seemed like the Boston Red Sox just overall, no Chris Sale, no Mookie Betts. They were still kind of living on some sort of past relevancy. And I was shocked, and we talked about this extensively on this program and on diamond bets as well about this being a very strange number where they were actually favored to be over 500. And I just couldn't see it. Not with the division they're playing in with the Yankees and the Rays, And, and to be frank, not with the pitching that they had and the lack of pitching in the pipeline, which makes them such a different organization compared to, let's say the Los Angeles Dodgers who continue to pull up the Gonsons of the world, continue to pull up the Dustin Mays of the world, the Urias of the world and continue to be good. The problem is Boston doesn't have that kind of pitching pipeline. They're going to have to go out and spend some more money on it. Yes, hopefully you get Rodriguez and Sale back next year. But, Craig, I don't think that's enough either because we've all seen guys 
be slow sometimes to come back from Tommy John? What if Sale is one of those guys? And then on top of it, what does the three, four, five of this rotation look like? Because it's not coming from within. I can tell you right now, looking at the pipeline, it ain't there. The best prospect they have is probably Bobby Dahlback, and that's a guy at first base. So I don't know, Craig, where we're looking here in the future, because I don't think the Red Sox necessarily might be markedly better next year, potentially, unless they really make some other moves. And is the next shoe to drop potentially Xander Bogarts in this equation? Yeah, they, they have a lot of questions that need answering. I don't know that that's going to happen this year. There'll be sellers at the deadline next week, which is crazy to think that the deadline is next week, but it is. And, and but, but again, I would not rule out anything for them in 2021 because that is one franchise that could just decide, hey, look, we're going to sign Springer. We're going to sign Real Muto. Like We're going to go out and get some pitching. And so I, I don't ever rule them out, but the right course of action for them is to take a step back, not only this year and next, get back some guys in the minor league system and, and build some draft picks. But that's a really hard thing to tell Red Sox fans in Boston. It's not hard this year. There are no fans going. It's going to be a lot harder next year for them to tell that to their fan base. That is for sure. Okay, we got a full slate of baseball games today. Keep your fingers crossed. Everyone's on the field again. So uh, hopefully that will end up happening today. We're going to try and pick out a couple of good options for you. Uh, one pitcher in particular today, uh, Joe's going to take a shot with at Coors Field. That is not something that we normally see a lot, but he's been one of baseball's best thus far. Also, don't forget to follow us on Twitter at SportsGrid for all the latest going on in fantasy, reality, and gambling as well. And also, you can follow us on Twitter at Craig Mitch and at Joe Pizapia 17 We'll be back with more fantasy sports today in our DFS preview next. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Well, tonight it's another big night in baseball, and we'll see if we can uh, double up here on the success in DFS this evening. And, man, it is going to be really hard uh, for me on one of these because, in particular, I'm going to have to root against uh, one of these players, I think, a little bit here because I am going tonight to uh, to the Marlins-Mets game. So uh, I guess it's a win-win. If the Marlins win, it'll be good for what I do. And if the Mets win, it'll be good for what we do. But regardless of that, let's get the latest on the DFS with uh, Joe for tonight's schedule. Joe? Well, like Craig was saying, you know, you kind of look for the best pitcher on the board and don't overthink it right now because there aren't many good ones. And, yes, you do have Garrett Cole out there too. But that lineup has been pretty decent so far for the Rays. So I'm going to favor Jacob DeGrom tonight against the Marlins. Mets offense has been decent, so give me DeGrom. He's also a little bit cheaper than Garrett Cole, so I'll save a little bit of money there. Cole's not wrong either. Either one are decent plays. And, yes, this next one sounds a little crazy. I only do this once or twice a year when everything lines up, and I will live and die with this with you. Framber Valdez, multi-entry GPP tonight in Colorado. Yes, I know it's in Colorado, but Framber Valdez has been very good. He's limiting the walks, and he's been hard to square up. Now, when you're not giving up walks, you're not giving up hits, that gives you at least a chance to go win in Colorado. And right now, as hot as the Rockies were last week, 
it feels like maybe those bats are going to start to come back down to earth a little bit because it is baseball and it's a game of streaks. Yes, it's risky. No doubt. Is it a single entry play? No, but for Amber Valdez, I think is worth at least one lineup and looking at that potential in a GPP, Alex Bregman, along with him. I can't believe he's just 4.3. I think he would be much more expensive in that lineup in Colorado tonight. And Jorge Polanco as well. 2.8 versus Milwaukee. That's another one to uh, top of this order here tonight. Twins, very good offense. We know that like these guys at the top because they usually get that extra at bat and that is worth uh, investing in. So We'll see. Yes, I know it's risky, but it's a good risk. It's a calculated one, and I'm going to take it tonight uh, again at that price. All right. Well, coming up next, we're going to hear from two managers in Major League Baseball, uh, arguably uh, one of the hottest and one of the coldest. Tori Lovello of the Arizona Diamondbacks has got his team right back in the playoff picture as they have won six games in a row. And conversely, we'll hear from Don Mattingly of the Marlins as his team has now lost four games in a row. So we'll have that coming up as well as the top of the hour latest in fantasy sports. Joe and Craig, we're back right after this. Don't go away. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. 